Welcome again to our home at home services. It's really wonderful to have you join us. And also we're looking forward to the fellowship we're gonna be having today and what God is gonna share with us. A big thank you to Marcus who welcomed us so wonderfully and shared some of the announcements and to our team who worship and usher us into the presence of God. I'm hoping that you're singing along and really uh, enjoying the expression of worship. We're continuing as we've been talking around the uh, subject matter of it's all about the will and we've been talking about being led by the spirit um, Romans 8 14 really tells us that that those who are led by the spirit of the sons of God um, but we've been focusing in on how do we get to the conscience not living on the principle of a law but living through the guidance of the Holy Spirit through our conscience and we're having those conversations around what it means to really be led and that we're not naturally designed to be led. We are born to take dominion, to govern, to rule. And it just so happens that uh, God's intent is to lead us according to the power of his spirit because we need that. We need that representation of a father to lead us. And in order that we can, I think, welcome and embrace what God is offering, he has gone overboard in showing us how a father loves and the intention behind everything that he's done is because he loves us. He wants to restore the relationship that was lost through the sin of Adam and Eve and to bring us back into this beautiful relationship that he, the Father, Son and the Holy Spirit are enjoying continuously. So he's inviting us in to that relationship so that we too can be within his son. This is what the miracle of salvation is all about, that we are hid with Christ in God. And in so doing, we then get to experience this love of the Father, the inheritance, the fellowship, and everything that he has, we now have access to. And that's why Jesus tells us that all power is given unto him and in heaven and in earth. And so that's the journey that we have been on. But we, we, we pause, I should say, perhaps uh, in our last message, to really embed this understanding of why should we trust what God the Father is doing? And the answer to that question has been the conversations we've been having. We've been describing the work of Christ the work of Christ, his son, that represents his love to us. That's why the Bible tells us in John 3, verse 16, God so loved the world that he gave us his son so that we can become sons through his son. And we've looked at the details of the work that Jesus Christ has done so that that could be uh, something that happens, so that can be a plausible option. And in doing so, we see how horrifically Jesus is tortured and he's sacrificed. And of course, if you listen to the previous message, you will hear and see how he was wounded and bruised and uh, chastised in order that we could be set free. The reason for that is, is that there was a price to be paid for the deficit that came about through the sin of Adam. Judgment 
was issued and naturally does so because of a law being broken. When a law is broken, there is naturally a consequence of a judgment. That's why you've got X amount of parking tickets, or that's why somebody calling in a fray uh, gets arrested and thrown in jail, um, murder, all kinds of things. You break that law, then straight away the consequences of breaking that law kicks in. And what Jesus came to do was to pay the price, the sentence that was due to you and me. He came to pay it so that we could meet the, uh, the, the necessary agreements required of the Father to put us back into relationship with him. Jesus came and paid that. He took on the form of man, went through the process of being tested and tempted. And we've done the, or had these conversations through our previous messages that he was tried and tested. He, he, in fact, went through a similar temptation that Adam went through, where the, 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 the devil asked him, questions his identity. If you are the son of God, turn these stones into bread. And Jesus responds, it's written, which is what Adam should have done, should have said, well, this is actually what God said. And God straight away was to be the lead, the guide, the influence for Adam and Eve, the, the designer, the creator, the, the leader of them. And when they failed, Jesus has come in to reset the balance that's out of place. And the more we grasp this, is the more our defenses against being led by the Spirit should be diminishing. We should be understanding that God loves you overwhelmingly. Why would you not want him to lead you? Why would you not want his grace to be what uh, oils your daily journey? Why would you not want his grace to be the sat-nav to your divine destinations? Why would you not want his love and overwhelming leadership through the Holy Spirit to be what guides you on a regular day-to-day -day basis? Because it's all through love. I want to share a little interesting story here. When we had our first son, Sebastian, I was very aware that it's important how you raise your children. And I made a conscious decision that we were not going to be smacking or hitting our children. So therefore, we had to have something in place as to how do you raise them to understand right and wrong, what is good and bad, and, and so on. And so what happened was that when the first time I saw Sebastian going for the TV remote control, thinking it was a toy, I made a decision that a tap on the finger, a little, little tap, saying no, would represent me pouring any kind of tool, skill set into him to understand that there are right things to do and wrong things to do. And Dorothy and I made a decision that no matter how many times he would take out the DVDs or the CDs in that school, you know, going back a bit, showing our age, um, that we would walk him back, put it in again, and we'd do that so he would understand and be, 
develop that pattern. But we knew that a tap on the finger was way better than having to hit a child in a way that we felt was not necessary, was not what we needed to do. And subsequently, he would look at me, knowing that, ah, I'm about to do that thing again. And actually, I'm picking up that this is what wrong. And because he began to build his emotional uh, library, his emotional skill set to understand there's a right and there's a wrong. There is a good and there's a bad. And so eventually, he understood, grew, we didn't have to beat or hit or anything like that, but he, he would do the right thing. And so when Nicholas, our second son, came up, we didn't have to do much because he followed whatever Sebastian was doing. And as a result of that, we then had Olivia, who came up and followed what they were doing. And so invariably, we were able to just trust that the system we put in the first son was now passed down to the rest of our children. And in so doing, it meant that they developed this idea or this thing within themselves. Because I remember one day, um, I think it was Sebastian who got told off. And one of the other children came in. I can't remember if it was Nicholas. Um, it might have been. Yeah, it came in. And they were crying. Why are you crying? And this is what they said because you're disappointed with us. Disappointed. And so that's what God was with Adam. He was disappointed. He still loved him, but he was disappointed. And so he put a principle or plan in place that could restore him to sonship, but that he would live based on maintaining the father's favor. I want God to look on me favorably. I want his countenance to shine light upon me and to give me the nod of peace and validation. And so God always intended that it wasn't going to happen via laws. It was had to happen through our conscience, that inner barometer, that inner scale that would work out and feel and sense through the spirit that actually, ah, this is the right thing to do, this is the wrong thing to do. But that only evolved or matured through relationship. The longer our children were with us, the more they understood. We never had the kids rolling around on the floor in the supermarket crying for sweets. In fact, we developed Sweetie Day was Saturday, and every day, weekend, they, we would then say, what sweets do you want today? And that's when they had their sweets. We put something in place that would give them an understanding as to how to develop their inner barometer, their inner skill and directors. And in so doing, it meant when they went to other people's houses, we would hear the remarks, oh, your children can come anytime because they don't touch our stuff. And that made us so proud. Not because we th thought that we were so special, but we realized we'd done something right. That our children were able to learn that the father's love, the parent's love, was always about preparing them for life, preparing them to make this journey with an ability to judge correctly. And this is what Jesus Christ paid a price 
fall. We talked previously how he was wounded and he was per physically injured. That's what Isaiah 53 says. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised. There was a level of betrayal here. We betrayed him. He was bruised, which meant he was damaged. Tissues and bones put under pressure, abrasive damage. He was uh, his chastisement or the chastisement of our peace was upon him. And so in this process, there was this overwhelming infliction of pain. And we see here that the stripes, this was the, the uh, Roman flagrum that would be, they, they would literally rip pieces of flesh away. He was really uh, put stripes in his back and we're told here it's the 39 uh, representative stripes of disease. And we see that this flagrum has sharp bones and irons on it and that would rip out the flesh of the victim every time they hit that individual. Jesus went through that for us. But I love what was taking place because when he rose, he was showing these scars. They were battle wounds. These were evidence that he was obedient to the will of the Father because he declared, not my will, God, but yours be done. When he asked, was there any other way, he realized that this had to take place. And while in the garden of Gethsemane, the Bible said he prayed until his sweat became like blood. He knew what was going to happen because he had the wisdom of knowledge, the gift of knowledge. And he, God showed him, the Father, you have to take on all of the sins, the weight, and pay the price for humanity so that they can become sons again. But son, I'm asking it to do you to do it because I know you love me and because I love them. And Jesus did it because he loved the Father. He was led by the Father. That's why he says, whatever I see my Father do, that's what I do. He was led by the Spirit. And quite frankly, if it's good enough for Jesus, I think it's good enough for you and me to be led by the Spirit of God. And God is saying here today, and I love the fact that stripes are like a military representation here. For a soldier who receives stripes, it's like a rank, and it's often for the years of service. Or, or the, And I believe when Jesus received his stripes, it was the fact that all power in heaven and in earth was given to him after he went through what he did. So that our consciences could be made alive unto him. So that we would want the balance of what we do to be governed by the love of God through the, the demonstration of the Son. And that's why he says we are hid with Christ in God, that he's the first Son. We are his brothers. We are in relationship to him. We have inheritance rights. We are able to be led and follow the will of the Father. Because what God did for us was pour out perfect love. 1 Corinthians 13 tells us all about that perfect love. John 15 tells us about the fruits 
uh, that, that we need to garner, which in Galatians 5.22, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and temperance. These gifts that will help us balance and work our conscience. This is Christ in us who is always leading, guiding, whispering, saying, listen, no, move to the left, go to the right. No, don't take that route. Take this particular uh, 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 person under your care. Love that person this way. Go and say sorry to Mary. Go and give a gift to John. Pray for Philip. And he leads and guides us on a daily basis. But the problem is we have to get from two stages of the sheep. The first stage, two stages of the sheep, tells us here, that when Jesus Christ came to deliver us, it's saying, Isaiah 53 verse 6, we are all like sheep who have wandered off and gotten lost. We've all done our own thing, gone our own way. And God has piled all our sins, everything we've done wrong on him, on his son. But then when it comes to the resurrected power of Christ and us receiving the work of Jesus, we become a different sheep. John 10 verse 27 says, My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. Hallelujah. John 10 and 5 says, And the stranger will they know or not follow but will flee from him, for they know not the voice of the strangers. I want to really drill this in today. You have no reason not to trust the love of a father who's going to lead you into green pastures besides the waters, that when you walk through the valleys of the shadow of death and the challenges, you've got a Jesus who has gone through all of that already for you. And I want to say today, Make this the last day that you ignore the voice of the Holy Spirit. Make this the last day that you refrain from pursuing his voice and saying, what are you saying, God? What do you want me to do? When Paul met God with his own arrogance and his own mindset, thinking what he was doing was in the name of God the Father, God turned it around. But you know what he said? He said, Lord, what would you have me to do? Because love will always bring you into a submission to its overwhelming authority, its power, its grace, because it empowers you to live. It empowers you to take dominion when you trust in the Lord God with all your heart and don't lean on your own understanding. But in all your ways, you acknowledge him. He will direct your path. It's all about the will. And it's time for your will to be submitted to God's will as Jesus was. And you say, Lord, not my will, but thy will be done. And in so doing, when you begin to do that, you start to learn how to balance that seesaw, that, 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 that balance that is, is, is so out of sync. 
to reconcile the books. In other words, we become reconciled to God. All because we're prepared to receive his love. We're going to be going forward and really looking at the details of the conscience, but we really need to emphasize that it's no point looking at the details of the conscience if you're not prepared to be led by the Spirit. So I emphasize once again, God overwhelmingly loves you. He's a Father that will never leave you nor forsake you. And if you can throw yourself like a young child into the arms of a parent, knowing they will catch you when you fall, knowing they will pick you up when you are down, knowing they will feed you when you're hungry, knowing that they will hear your cry when you call out, knowing that our God is a miracle worker. How can you not say yes? Lead me, Lord. And that's why Paul, I'll finish with this statement, says in Acts 24 verse 16, he says, I, so I strive always, he says, to keep my conscience clear before God and man. Why? Because for him, he said it was to live as Christ. Hallelujah. And for him to die was pure gain. May you be encouraged today. May you make a full surrender and say, Holy Spirit, lead me, guide me. Because I know that you overwhelmingly love me. And I trust your love. If you don't know Jesus, receive his love today. Let that love come into your heart and watch what he does. May God bless you as you allow him to lead you. You'll never be the same again.